Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. We're going to start with verse 28. In Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24 are parable chapters. They're parallel, and Jesus is teaching these things. And so you look at these three different points of views, and you understand it more fully when you look at it. Last week, we closed with Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 21's part of it, and we're going to pick up today with Mark 13's part of it. Mark 13, verse 28, Jesus says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. And we identified on Wednesday night and last Sunday that the fig tree is Israel. And in Luke 21, it says all the other trees, and the other trees are the other nations of prophecy. And we identified some of those nations on Wednesday night. That's why I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It says, when its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. It says, you can look at the fig tree, and when the fig tree makes these changes, you know what season you are in. And so in the same way, when you look at the fig tree, Israel, and the nations of prophecy, when they begin to do certain things and move this way, you know what season is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will be by no means pass away till all these things take place. Well, what things? Everything you see in Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, and all of the nations in place to do what it says they will do at that time. They say when all of those things come to pass and everything is at that point, that generation will be here when I come back. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, that's an interesting statement. Because Jesus says, I don't even know what day I'm coming back. (laughs) But the Father knows. And so, what's less you know that more than likely, you don't know either. Maybe you can guess and get it right. Maybe you get a prize. You guess and get it right, maybe, you know, you get a prize. But more than likely, you won't know. And so one of the things that's very interesting is that a lot of people say, well, all these things are happening in the Middle East. That means Jesus can come back tonight. That's not what the Scripture says. When you dive into the Scripture, it lets you know it's going to come at a time when people aren't expecting it, when the natural events of the world seem calm. It said the days of Noah, they were giving in marriage and living like normal until the ark door closed and the rain came. It says, compares the last generation to the days of Noah and the days of Lot, and those things happen suddenly. And so notice what Jesus says next. Take heed. Say, take heed. heed. That phrase, take heed, means beware. Now, if you're ever at a house or property and see a sign that says, beware, like beware of dog, you know, They're not talking about a chihuahua. (laughs) When they says beware, there is something dangerous lurking on this property. And you need to pay attention. It's not a light warning. It is a heavy warning, like Rottweiler. (laughs) Pay attention. Bulldog with an attitude. Pay attention. Beware. Look. Listen. Pay attention. It also means look this direction, turn your mind this direction. Take heed, watch, and pray. Now this first word watch means to stay awake, to stay ready, to stay alert. It means to stay awake, stay ready, and stay alert. Now, one of the things you'll see, especially when Jesus is teaching in Luke 21, Mark 13, and Matthew 24 about the end times, he uses this phrase because you have to understand, if Jesus has to say it again and again, that means the great temptation during this time is not to be alert, not to be ready, not to be awake. 
where it's going to be very easy for you to be asleep to these things. It's very easy for you not to know these things are happening around you if he has to remind you to stay awake. Because he says in Luke 21, when you look at it in the other parallel passages, he says, don't miss it or don't be asleep or not ready because of your drinking, of your partying. Oh, I don't party. Clubbing. Whatever you want to call it. And then he talked about the anxieties of the heart. And so when you look at what Jesus is saying about the anxieties of the heart or the cares of this life, he compares it to getting drunk or getting high. And he says getting high, getting drunk, or being overwhelmed with the anxieties and the stress and the cares of this life can cause you not to be alert to what's going on at the end time. Take heed, watch, and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave authority. Say authority. authority. To his servants and to each his work. Say his work. And he commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Say watch. Verse 35 says, watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crone of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, he said that word watch a lot in just a couple verses. And so we already looked at what the first watch means, but these next verses, 34, 35, and 37, this word watch means to take heed. So you see that phrase again. To take heed, lest through slackening of attention, lack of attention, avoidance of activity, and laziness, some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one. Now, all these are in my notes on the Faithless app and the YouVersion Bible app, but I'm going to go over it again. This second word watch means to take heed, to beware, lest through slackening of attention, lack of attention, avoidance of activity, and laziness, some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes someone. And Jesus said that multiple times in these few verses. And he can't say, okay, he's talking to the pastors. He's talking to the prophets. He says, what I say to you, I say to everybody. Everybody, 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 whoever. Watch. And so this word watch reminds us of the time before, the ancient times, when they had watchmen, whose their job was to climb up into the watchtower or into a high wall and keep watch over the city or the military installation to see if there's a surprise attack coming, to see if there's an impending danger. It was their job to climb up to this high place and keep a lookout, to keep watch. That was their job. And I learned something else new this week about these watchers is that they usually came from families who were known for their keen eyesight and their great sense of hearing. Because how many know just naturally, if you put someone to be a watcher, you want to make sure they can see you just want them to have good eyesight. That just makes sense. It doesn't take a deep theology degree to know that, okay, you the watcher, can you see? You want them to be able to hear. But not only was it just normal sight, they came from families who were known for their great vision. Families who were known for their great hearing. So that means to be able to be a watcher, you have to have great eyesight and great hearing, and you got to stay awake. And what have we been saying last week? Praying that Ephesians 1 prayer, you find it in my notes. So that your spiritual perception can increase. Because you can't watch being dull of hearing, as Jesus talks about, or having dull vision. If you're going to watch, we even say pray yet, but if you're going to watch, you have to have an increased spiritual perception. You have to increase clarity. And I want to let you know something that's coming to you at the end of this year and next year. You're about to walk into a level of clarity that you've never known before. 
You're about to walk into clarity that it's gonna, you're gonna walk into things, things you had questioned about, it's just gonna be clear. Things that you didn't know about, it's just gonna be clear. It's like, it just makes sense. It's like second nature to you. Some of you said amen, even the rest of you say amen to that. You're walking into days of clarity. You're walking into days where it will be clear. You're walking into days of light where you're being in a situation, oh, I know exactly what to do. It's going to be clear. It's a year of light. 2024 to you will be a year of clarity. Things you wonder about, all of a sudden you just know. It's a year of clarity. But you need that clarity if you're going to watch. But also remember, in order to do their job, they had to climb a high watchtower. They had to climb a high wall. Which means in order to watch and pray, you can't pray at a low level. To fulfill this command, you can't just pray low-level prayers. You gotta come up higher. Say, I gotta come up higher. See, in order to pray about this Israel thing right, you got to come up higher. Because if not, you'll be caught up with what everybody says on Twitter and everything says on TikTok, even if it's not even historically accurate. You get caught up and you don't know how to pray. Because if you don't come up higher, you won't understand what Zechariah says about Jerusalem, how it's like an intoxicating drink to those who hate it, and that those who try to move it, they will trip over the stumbling block and hurt themselves. Oh, you didn't know that scripture because y'all didn't know some of it. Don't read Zechariah. So that's why, as I said to you last week, don't get caught up in all the drama this week. Don't you get caught up. You got to come up to a high place to pray. Well, what about the innocents? To deal with the innocents correctly, you got to come up to a high place because there are innocents. What a lot of people don't understand about Gaza and the West Bank, people think it's all Muslim. No, it's not. There are many Christians there. Your brothers and sisters there need your prayers. I said they need your prayers. But you have to come up to a high place to be able to pray it. Because people say, oh, we just need to pray that everything stops. Are you sure about that? Because what we're seeing a lot right now is fruit. And you want to say, well, I want the fruit to stop. No, 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 you got to deal with the root. Because if you cut the fruit right now, it comes back. The prayer life of the church has to rise up at this time so you deal with the roots. It says pray for the peace, the security, the prosperity, the wholeness of Jerusalem that they may prosper that lover. It says peace within her walls, peace within her palaces. Notice it didn't just say peace and prosperity to the Jewish people. It says all those who live there. All of them. All of them. Jews, Palestinians, Arabs. One of the things people have saw this week, it's in an international area. Hamas took captives of Americans and Thai and Argentinians and a whole bunch of other people. It's not just one-sided depending on what news channel you watch. You gotta come up higher and pray about these things. If not, you'll be intoxicated like the rest of the world who doesn't know God and you'll trip over a stone and hurt yourself. You got to come up higher if you're going to deal with these things. Go to Colossians 14. Let me drive home the point even further. Because some of y'all get it, but some of you need five more scriptures. So let's do it. Let's do it. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. You got to come up higher. And just add a note on there. For those in this room online and any policymakers who maybe listen to this message. Just because the current American policy is a two-state solution doesn't mean that's the policy of God. Well, what is the policy of God? You need to pray that thing out. Because there's coming a day, as we covered on Wednesday, where there will be such peace in Israel. Some people say, oh, there won't be peace in the Middle East until Jesus comes back. That's actually not true. That's not scripturally true. I walked you through on Wednesday how Ezekiel 38 says there comes a time of such peace in Israel where they dwell where it says like they're in unwalled villages, where they dress safely security with confidence. That happens before he comes back. So, well, which way is it going to happen? I don't know. We've got to pray it out. I'm not trying to figure it out. Because if I try to figure it out, I stay at a low level. 
What if I come up higher? I can pray it out. Don't get caught on this low level. You got to come up higher. Say, come up higher. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same, or watch in prayer with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. You are to continue in prayer, but you're supposed to continue in watching. So you don't just watch one time. Just like prayer should be a lifestyle, watching has to be a lifestyle. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Don't be dragged into, I keep coming back to it, don't be dragged into the fake stuff on TikTok or every tweet, well, it used to be called Twitter, but now it's called X. Whatever they post, don't be dragged into it. Don't say, oh, it's a, a war against Islam. No, it's not. I said, no, it's not. Yes, Hamas is an Islamic terrorist group that hates all of Israel and hates you too. Because as the founder and the sub-founder said that after we're done with Israel, we're coming after all the Christian traitors. That's what they said. They hate Israel and they hate you. It's not a war against Islam. Although I have many theological disagreements with Islam, and I would love to have conversations with anybody who's a Muslim, I enjoy those conversations. Because I've read parts of the Quran, and I know why I don't believe it. I've studied to show myself a proof. Muslims are not our enemy. They're not. They're the ones we're believing to come into the kingdom of God. So it's not a war on Islam. There is a war against Hamas. But how do we deal with them right? You got to come up higher. And you got to pray it out. Because we're praying about these things, it would behoove you to know who leads Israel. You should know how to pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu. You should know how to pray for the President of Israel. You should know how to pray for the Knesset, the IDF, the Mossad. Because if you can come up higher, you got to pray about these things. You should know who leads the, the Palestinian areas in the West Bank, and you should pray for him. You should pray for all these surrounding re that surrounding region. Because if it's not dealt with correctly, this issue within the state of Israel doesn't just become a regional issue. It becomes an international issue quicker than you can blink. You got to come up higher. Don't get caught in all the people running their mouths for quicker social media attention and quicker clout. Come up higher to deal with it correctly. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, when Paul's writing Thessalonians, it's not too long after you visit Thessaloniki for the first time and started the church there. And he's writing to them in this church. You read from First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. They did a great job. They are growing. They're doing wonderful things. But with how Paul preached to them on the end times, they thought Jesus would come back any moment. They were ready. They said, oh, man, he must be coming any moment. And what happened is people of that congregation started to go home and be with the Lord. And they had different questions. They said, well, what happened to them? I thought Jesus was coming back. But this person died before he came back. And so Paul writes this letter addressing the question. That's why you have the wonderful chapter of chapter 4. It says, comfort and exhort each other with these words. That this is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And those who have died before he comes back, they're not going to miss out on it, but they're going to be there first. That's why you get chapter 4. He's continuing with that same mindset by the time we get to chapter 5, verse 1. It says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Why? Because he's, he preached it to them when he was there. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. So one of the things Paul's echoing here is what Jesus said in Mark 13 and Luke 21 and Matthew 24, talking about the signs of the end. He says this is the beginning of sorrows. And so that word sorrows is talking about the pain women feel when they're in labor. It's talking about contractions. And how many of the contractions don't just start the day the baby arrives? They can start way in advance. 
And I remember I was telling the uh, campus in Fayetteville this morning that when one of our daughters was born, we had, like, we went to the hospital three different times because we were sure that the baby was on his way. We were sure. I'm talking about the hospital was sure too. They checked us in. One time they checked us in overnight and we were there for over 12 hours. They were sure the baby was coming. We were sure was the baby was coming. The baby said, nah, I'm going to chill a little bit longer. <laughs> and so we had to go all the way back home. But how many know we knew the baby was still coming? Even though the baby didn't come that first time, the second time, we know she's still on her way. We still know the baby's coming. We're not going to forget that there's a baby who any moment can come. And when, when this one decided to come, by the time we got in the hospital, got checked in, she came in four pushes. They could name your first lady Wonder Woman and call the baby a ninja. One nurse went to get a blanket, came back, said, oh, there's a baby. We had like a praise and worship music going in the background. Another nurse came in, yes, you better praise God after delivery like that. You go ahead and praise them, man. But what happened was, it seemed like it was coming, and then it wasn't. It seemed like it was, she was coming, then it wasn't. It seemed like she was coming, then it wasn't. And then all of a sudden, she was here. This is what the scripture is saying. The beginning of Sarah was all the signs of Mark 13, Matthew 24, Luke 21. Jesus these are the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of contractions. So when they become rapid, more rapid, more rapid, closer together, closer together, closer together, closer together, closer together, you know that my return is at the door. And then there's going to be a moment of time when everybody says peace and safety, nothing's going on, and all of a sudden, ta-da, I'm back. That's why he says stay alert. So Paul's echoing that. And he says, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. That means you're in the light. Say, I'm in the light. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. So it's not supposed to take everybody as a thief. If the people are walking in light, they should know something's up. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So because we're of the light, let's stay awake and pay attention. Let's watch because that's who we are and that's what we're supposed to do then it says be sober that doesn't mean just don't be drunk even though duh it's concluded but it means to be sober minded because some of you you don't drink nothing you don't smoke nothing but the way you are anxious you might as well be high just full of anxiety full of stress full of worry, full of your emotions, all up in your feelings. You're supposed to have emotions, not let your emotions have you. If your emotions have you, you won't be alert, you won't be watching, you won't be aware. It'll be just as bad as if you were high or drunk. So just like the Bible tells us not to be drunk and not to get high, it says don't let your emotions have you. Don't be caught up in your feelings. Be sober minded. So put down the weed, put down the bottle, and put down your stress. And it says cast every care upon him because he cares for you. That word care is anxiety. You're not meant to carry the care. You're not meant to carry the anxiety. Jesus says, give it to me. I can carry it. I'll carry it for you. I'm strong enough to deal with it. And the thing is you want to give it to Jesus because he's your caretaker and he always takes care of you in grand style. The quicker you give it, the quicker he can deal with it. Some people wonder, oh, I don't know why this changed, because you carried it. If you just let it alone and give it to Jesus. Because some of you say, oh, I did leave it alone, give it to Jesus, but you picked it back up. You gave it to Jesus in the last five minutes of church last Sunday, and as soon as we dismissed, you ran back to the altar, got your worries, and says, I got it, Jesus, I got it from here. That keeps you from receiving miracles. You keep carrying stuff. And now, Jesus, I got it. Yes, El Shaddai, I got it. Almighty God, I'm strong enough. I got it. And you pride yourself of your strength. Notice, you pride yourself 
of your strength. And when you're in pride, you can be devoured by the enemy because you're not alert. And now you're full of pride, devoured by the enemy, resisting God's help. And you wonder why this Christian thing ain't working for you. So that's why you go back and get high again. That's why you call your drug dealer who you deleted their number, but you got it back again because you carrying stuff you were never meant to carry. The temptation of the end is for everyone to be deceived, to be caught off guard, and to be weighed down and intoxicated with drugs and with stress, worry, and anxiety. That is what's aimed at people at the end. You have to become professional care caster. You parents too. Well, I'm not a good parent if I don't worry. Who taught you that? Jesus didn't. You can take care of your kids without worrying. You can raise them without being stressed out. You can raise them and they can be safe. Well, it's hard to raise a black man in 2023. Stop saying that. Because if you keep saying it, it will be hard for you. And you open the doors for destruction for your children. Watch your mouth. Because so many of you have in your home what you said. You got to change your mouth. Your mouth is in the way of your miracle. God's been trying to bless you. But the way you talk against God, you might as well play for the Falcons and protect our quarterback. The way you blocking, you need to protect our quarterback. It's always blocking miracles, blocking blessings. Please go block our quarterback. We win the Super Bowl with the way you blocking miracles. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't know, I always cheer for Atlanta. I always cheer for all the Atlanta teams. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18. Watch your mouth. This is the power of life and death. It's in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat of it. Oh, I just want someone to prophesy over me. Prophesy over yourself. Call good things in. You've been calling enough bad things in, and you've been accurate. Change your mouth. Change your mouth, change your life. Ephesians 6.18. I'm still trying to get to my props. Still trying to get to this example. All over the place, all in your business. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amplified Classicus in verse 18 says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit with all manner of prayer. That means all types of prayer entry. There's more than one type of prayer. Just like there's more than one type of sports. You can't play basketball by baseball rules. You can't play baseball by football rules. You can't play football by soccer rules. You can't play soccer by hockey rules. And you can't play hockey by basketball rules. Every sport has its own rules. That if you want to play the game effectively and successfully, you have to play by the rules of that sport. There are different types of prayer. And they all have their own different rules. You have to become effective in your prayer life. And one of the things we'll cover, especially as we get into November for our 21 days of prayer and fasting, are the different types of prayer. Because you need to know how to use them effectively. So pray with all types of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance in interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. So finally to my props. I like props. Pastor Kirk, can you help me for a second? 
Let's talk about your prayer life. You're like, Pastor, you talked about enough about my life today. Can I have a break? Not yet. Not yet. Let's talk about your prayer life. Because sometimes when we pray, it's like, Lord, bless the food. Bless pastor. Bless the missionaries. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not knocking the blessing prayers. Because that word bless me stand power to prosper to release good things. That's a good start. Say it's a start. Say it's a start. But let's say the need that you're praying about is represented by this bucket. Let me show you how prayer works on the higher levels. Because we're saying coming up to another level, right? This is how prayer works. You're just playing those blessing prayers. Bless pastor. Bless the missionaries. Bless this food. And bless my day, Jesus. Well, why did my situation change yet? I prayed. You did. See, there it is. Look, there it is. Look, there it is. See, there, right there. But that did not get the job done. It's going to take more. More than just the blessing prayers. It takes more. Now, some of you who are a little bit more skilled, like, well, you know what? I know how to pray the word. I know what scriptures to pray. Pastor was talking about that Ephesians 1 prayer. I know that prayer. That Ephesians 3 prayer. That Philippians 1. That Colossians prayer. I know how to pray the word for that situation. But how many know that it doesn't take that much time, and then not too long, you are out of things to pray? So let's say you prayed the word about it. That's better. But we still got a long ways to go. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries, which are divine secrets, plans, and purposes. The word mysteries means divine secrets, plans, and purposes. It goes on in Romans 8, 26. It says, Likewise, or in the same way, the spirit also helps our weaknesses or helps our limitation. What is our weakness and limitation? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. And apparently by this bucket, we don't know what we should pray for. Because we're trying our best. And the situation still requires more. The scripture says next, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody like that verse? I like that verse. I like verse 20. It's not a true question. I like that verse. Anybody else like that verse? But notice that verse is connected to 26 and 27. So in order for all things to work together, you got to pray a different way. For all things to work together in your life, it's going to take more than what's in this bucket. It's going to take some time of praying in the spirit and notice I said it's going to take time because the more you do it okay let me pray let me pray in the spirit let me take some time to pray in the spirit okay I'm making some progress in the spirit let me pray in the spirit oh I'm out of time I gotta go to work I gotta do this I gotta help with the kids a day goes by I'm back let me pray about this in the spirit let me pray about this in the spirit let me handle some things in the spirit let me pray in tongues a little bit longer I'm out of time for today let me come back man I only got five minutes today so let me pray about this real quick and let me go back the next day praying 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 in the spirit praying in the spirit Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, taking time on a daily basis, praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit, praying about this situation. As, I, as I'm praying in tongues, I'm listening to what God says on the inside. What should I say about this, sir? How should I handle this, sir? What should I do next, sir? Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Every day, taking time, praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying with a brand new 
new tongue, praying in the utterance of God, taking time, making progress every single day, throughout the day, praying in the spirit. Still got stuff of life to go on, but I got to give time to pray. I got to give time for the Holy Ghost to say through me what he needs to say. So now I have what the situation requires, but it took some time in prayer. I have what the situation requires, but it's still not in the right spot. This has to go to where Brother Gino is. And so the thing is, sometimes we get the answer, but it hasn't arrived at the destination yet. So that means we have to keep praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, not giving up. Keep praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit till it gets to the destination. Notice, it took time. The blessing prayers were not enough. Just praying the scriptures is not enough. It's your starting point. You have to make time to pray in the Holy Ghost if you want it to get to its destination. How many can see that? But I want to tell you something. That is praying with no resistance. All of that time, everything we just did is praying with no resistance at all. Because there's times, especially when you give yourself to prayer and have these prayer projects like that one, where you will run into things in the spirit realm. It is a very real place where you'll run into resistance. I remember about a decade ago, I was at one of Bishop Butler's ministerial conferences. And, you know, it was him and Dr. Barclay and Pastor Hankins and a number of the ministers. And we're, there's something going on in the nation. And Bishop said, let's pray about it. Then he looked at me and said, go up and pray about it lead us and tear that thing down. Okay, let's go. So I grab the mic and I begin to pray. I'm leading hundreds of ministers in prayer. We're going at this thing and I'm up there in the spirit and I run into something. I ran into resistance. I ran into a wall. And it's not my first time running into things in the spirit realm, but I ran into it and I couldn't move it. I couldn't move it. I'm trying. I could not move it. The time of prayer finishes, I go down. I'm shook because I couldn't budget at all. And I was telling First Lady yesterday, I said, I probably should ask Bishop at that moment. I said, I ran into something, and I couldn't. I would have got more revelation on the subject. But over the next couple years, I realized the stuff began to play out in the natural what I ran up to in the spirit. Because there are times when you are praying, you'll run into things, and you'll some things you can stop completely. Some things you can lessen the impact. You can't stop it, but you can lessen the impact. Or some things you can't stop it, you can't move it, but you can keep yourself safe. And so when you come up to a high place and begin to pray this way, you will run into things. Now, what we have, well, sometimes we do because we know we're charismatic. We know we have authority. God's given us authority. So we just go with machine gun tongues. We just trying to aim everything, just machine gun tongues and machine gun scriptures. And we buy and rebuke everything moving. We're, we're just trying. We're just trying. It may not be that effective, but we're trying. At least we tried something. But here's a prayer pro tip. Say pro tip. When you run into something in prayer, when you run into resistance or a wall, before you just start aiming and firing everywhere, ask the Holy Ghost, how should I deal with this? Because some resistance that you run into that you can deal with has to be dismantled brick by brick by brick by brick. So it's more time. I've already prayed the answer. I already know, but I got to dismantle some things that are standing in the way. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 16 says there's an open door, but there are many adversaries. So sometimes you have the open door, but there's something standing in your way, and it won't move until you dismantle it in prayer. That's praying from a high place. Because what happens is, because this took longer than a day, some people would have quit. It reminds me of Daniel when he prayed. You have to think Daniel had an effective prayer life. Because look, under the old covenant, he got stuff done. Like, man, anybody know that Daniel had an effective prayer life? He had an effective prayer life as a teenager going into Babylon. He was a sophomore in high school. When he got to Babylon, him and his friends prayed and got answers. Daniel outlasted emperors. It says he started in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, and he ended his time of service in the first year of size. Doesn't mean he died. He kept living years after that, still praying. 
So he outlasted emperors by decades. You know, who ruled Babylon? Daniel by prayer. He's the one who trained the Magi, who eventually, by their descendants, went and found Jesus. That dude was effective, and his effectiveness lasted hundreds of years, and it's still working because we're reading about him. And so there were times he would pray and get an answer. Like, he started praying. He couldn't even finish his prayer, and Gabriel showed up and says, God wants you to know about this. That's pretty good. I'll talk about this pretty good. You couldn't even finish your prayer, and there is Gabriel, not any angel, Gabriel announcing, here's the plan of God. That's pretty good. But there comes a time in chapter 10 where he's praying, and he doesn't get a quick answer. He prays and fasts for 21 days. No answer. You know, you might be kind of shook. It's like, I've prayed about stuff before, but it's never taken this long. And while he's praying, and on this 21st day, this angelic being shows up. It doesn't say it's Gabriel. It doesn't list who this angelic being's name is. Shows up and lets him know, from the first time you set your heart to understand, your words were heard. And I've come for your words. Daniel, I'm here because you opened your mouth. But he says, I want you to know for the last 21 days, the demonic prince of Persia resisted me. Now, this is not talking about a human prince. It's talking about a demonic spirit in the heavenly places. Well, what is Persia? We would call it modern-day Iran. Some things aren't really new, guys. That spirit over that area blocked this angelic being from being able to get to Daniel. They are fighting for three full weeks. That's resistance. That's a high up wall. But how did he deal with it? Because you have to understand, especially when you deal with spiritual things, and I'll say this for clarity, you can't be mad at people. Because Paul said your enemy is not flesh and blood. So you can't be mad at Israelis or Palestinians or Iranians or Arabians or Americans or whoever because flesh and blood is not your enemy. That says the powers of darkness. That's how Satan has arranged them in the heavenly places. That's what Daniel ran into. And as he prayed over those 21 weeks, another angelic being was released. His name was Michael. He's the angelic prince over Israel. But Daniel's prayer brought in additional assistance. And when Michael was released, he was able to hold off that demonic prince over Persia so that this angelic being can reach Daniel. And he says, I'm here to give you this information. I'm here to give you this message, but I have to go back to help fight because there's more movement in the spirit world. There's more things marching this way. We have to deal with it. And he says, nobody else is helping me but Michael. That lets me know there's not too many people who are praying like Daniel. Daniel might be the only other person on the planet praying this way, causing archangels, chief angels to move. So it took Daniel, an effective prayer under the old covenant, 21 days to get that resistance in. You can't give up just because the answer is not microwave fast. Jesus said, talking about the end times, you have to pray. He said, I tell you this parable that you pray and don't faint. You pray and you don't give up. When I come back, will I find faith in the earth? So when you run into resistance, don't just machine gun pray. Don't just machine gun confession. Don't just machine gun your authority. Just take a step back and say, Lord, what should I do about this? And it might just be something you to take more time and dismantle it in prayer. That's how you deal with those things. It takes time. That's how you pray through answers. Now, there's another type of prayer. You know, Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, we know this is talking about John the Baptist, but it's also using language of the time where before a king or emperor would travel to a foreign land, a team would go ahead of him and make a road for him. They would go, make the road, lift up the high places, tear down the, tear down the high places, lift up the low places, so that the pathway or the road or the highway for the king was easy for them to travel across. There was a team that went on ahead of time to prepare the way. 
And it was John the Baptist's job to prepare the way for Jesus. Make the path straight. Straighten the crooked places. Lift up the low places. Tear down the high places. Well, how did John the Baptist do it? By preaching. What did he preach? Spirit-inspired words. Anointed words from the Holy Ghost. That's how he prepared the path for Jesus. There are some things in front of you. You have to prepare the path before you get there. And how do you prepare the path? In tongues. And the Holy Ghost. Taking some time. Because some of us say, okay, I got the God idea. I'm just going to run and do it. Whoa, 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 slow down. The road ain't there yet. You got the God idea. Slow down. Get the implementation and get the timing. And now that you got the timing, clear the path. Some of you are running into things because you ain't cleared the path yet. That something's going to be dealt with if you actually took some time and prayed about what's ahead of you. You have to clear the path by speaking Holy Ghost anointed, spirit-inspired words to clear the path. That I've heard it said before, and I'll paraphrase it, that you should walk through tomorrow what you've already prayed through today. That your prayer should go places before your feet get there. Some say, well, I got a word. Somebody prophesied over to me. Prophesied over me. That's great, especially if it was accurate and came from the Holy Ghost. Let's add that first. <laughs> but I like something my friend Pastor Marcus says. He says, a, pro a prophecy received that does not turn into a prayer assignment. I question if you even received it. You received a prophecy, it was accurate. You got to turn that prophecy to a prayer assignment. As Paul told Timothy, take those prophetic words that were spoken of to you and wage a good warfare with them. Take those words, put them in your mouth, start speaking them, start praying them, because you're clearing a path. Because we love to shout our prophecies. But have you made that prophecy work for you? So it didn't happen for me this year. It happened for some, so I guess God likes them better. No, they just went to work on it. You have to turn the prophecy to a prayer assignment and pray it out. Well, when? Until it shows up. You got to clear the path. That's how you walk it through. Well, pastor, that sounds like work. Ding, 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 ding. It is. Colossians 4.12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. See, what's interesting is the church of Colossae, Paul didn't start that church. Epaphras did. Paul sent Epaphras to start that church. And now Epaphras is visiting Paul, giving him updates. And while he's there, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae. And he says, Epaphras, he's a faithful minister to you. He is always working hard for you in prayer. So although he's not in Colossae with you right now, he has you on his mind and he's working hard in prayer. Now, think about that compliment of what it meant for Paul says he's working hard in prayer. Because Paul would talk about his prayer life for the churches of Galatia. He says, I travail again. Or it's like I'm giving birth again for you so that Christ be fully formed in you. Paul knew how to work in prayer. And he says, Epaphras is working hard, praying for you that you stand complete and full in the will of God and the plan of God for your life. Prayer up here. Not this low-level blessing prayers, but the high-level prayers is work. And you have to put the work in prayer. He said, well, pastor, I don't know how to do all these things. Just start. Just start. You'll get better over time. And for some of you who, you know, you already know how to do these things, and you don't have as many just normal stuff on your plate, pray for the babies. One of the things I love about this church, we have mature saints and we got babies. Some who just found Jesus this year. Well, they know, him, they know the name of Jesus and they know what a Bible is. And that's all they know right now. That's fine. It's a good place to start. And so we're going to raise them up. But as we raise them up, you pray them through. 
Come on, you see someone answer the altar call? Father, I thank you for everybody who answered the altar call this week. I lift up their week. Come on. I come against discouragement. I come against the plans of the enemy. I come against uh, all the things the enemy might try to do to take them back. Uh-uh, I bind that in the name of Jesus, and you pray them through. A lot of us have success in our lives because someone behind us prayed us through. Well, how long to our prayer is that Pentecostal praise? Pray them through. Pray until they can stand. Pray until they know how to pray for themselves. Pray until they know how to handle things. You got to pray them through. That's how you can raise kids and not be stressed out. Because some of you get really stressed because they're not in my house. I can't see them no more. Did you pray them through yet? You got to pray them through. So that no matter what comes up, say, I already got the answer. You'll be fine. Got to pray them through. And this is not just the job of all the mamas. Because yes, mamas can pray, but so can you too, fathers. I'm a big believer that men should pray. It's not just the wife or the mama's job. It's the dad's job too. We may have different ways we pray, but you can just be, still be as effective in your prayer life. You got to pray things through. You got to clear the path in prayer. You got to dismantle things in the spirit by your prayer life. You got to pray the answers in. If you're going to live the supernatural life and cross over to the life God has for you, you have to come up to a higher place in prayer. And you got to stay there. You got to stay there. Because as you stay at that place, more authority will be granted to you. More things will be delegated to you. That you'll get assignments in prayer that are beyond just the things that you know and the people you know. He'll give you responsibilities for organizations and businesses and areas and nations. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go advertise, well, God has given me the responsibility for this nation. <laughs> Don't do that. Just pray for him. And be faithful in your prayer spot. There are things that have to happen, but they will only happen if the church prays. It can't just be hashtag thoughts and prayers. You have to come up to the high place and pray from that high place. It's all of us. All of us. The young, the babies. Because kids work and pray effectively too. They can pray things in. I still remember when I was a youth pastor in Texas. We were t I was taking them to the Six Flags in Texas. And we get on the road and a rainstorm starts. And I'm thinking, now I'm in my youth pastor administrative mode. Okay, all right, we're going to have to reschedule this. Will we get a rain check? No, they don't give us a rain check. Well, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going through all these things, walking through with my leaders. Okay, what can we do? Because we had two vans of kids going. And I talked to the other leaders. They called me. And I'm talking to them on the phone, but I could barely hear the leader because all I hear were tongues. I'm like, what is going on in your van? They said, the kids want to go to Six Flags, so they're holding back the weather. Okay, talk to you later. So we get there, and it's just drizzling. Now, remember, it was a rainstorm before. Then after an hour, it stops. Complete. Wasn't supposed to stop. Stop completely. So we're there a full day. They do whatever they want to do. By the time we finish and I get do the roll call again, everybody gets in the van, we shut the door. Whoosh. And I said, guys, that wasn't my favorite. Y'all did that. Y'all held it up. So you can have fun at Six Flags. So it's not just the prayers of the adults. It's when God's people pray. From kids' world to faith youth to all the way in here in the sanctuary. When we pray, things happen. Tremendous power is made available. So we've got to pray about these things from a high place. And as we prepare for our days of prayer and fasting, November 1st to 21st, we're going to pray from a high place. Are you telling us to fast for three weeks? No, I did not say that. Pastor did not tell you to fast for three weeks. I did not say that. It's got to make it its own tape. It's recorded. It's streamed. I did not say fast for three weeks. I'm saying you fast whatever God tells you to fast. Because it may be a meal. It may be stop staring at your phone all day. It may be social media time. It may be a TV show. It may be something specific. Whatever God tells you to fast, you replace that thing with time in the word and time in prayer. The power of fasting is not because you didn't eat something. 
All you'll be after that is hungry. <laughs> the power comes for when you replace that time you would have made the meal, ate the meal, cleaned up the meal, gone to get the meal, and all the other stuff, when you replace it with time of the word and prayer, that's where the power is. And exercising control and authority over your own body, that's where the power is. And so whatever the Lord tells you to fast during that time, that's what you do. And if he tells you to fast uh, food for a period of time, make sure you do it the healthy way. There is a healthy way to fast, and there is an unhealthy way to fast. Well, I don't know the healthy way. Make sure you talk to your medical professional. Because you don't break your fast eating bad food. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. But we're gearing up for 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's going to help us end the year strong and start 2024 the way it needs to be. But even before we get to November 1st, you still need to come up to a higher place in prayer. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for the word. Help us not just to be a hearer of this word, but to be a doer of this word. We're going to need your help to come up to the high places of prayer. And to stay in the high places and to keep up going to the higher escalons of these things. Help us, guide us, help us not to lose our focus. Help us to be focused on these things so that we can get the job done on this earth. Help us not to be caught up with the low level things, but daily take our place seated with you. Daily climb to our place, our high place, and do business from the high place. I ask for the spirit of prayer and accuracy and insight to fall upon everybody under the sound of my voice. Everyone in kids' world, everyone in youth, everyone connected with this faith family. Help us move into these things so we can walk out these things. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage some of you who have been discouraged because of... Uh, just to, the lies of the enemy and the time that it's taking to dismantle the wall brick by brick. When things seem to be going backwards or you're reminded of where you came from for whatever reason or there's an error in some way, shape, or form, the wall, so many pieces of this wall has already come down. You may even be able to see over it at this point before you weren't there. You weren't there. You didn't start there. God has done such a great work, and just because there's some type of setback or you have a feeling or there was a lot, it doesn't mean that the work hadn't been done, but you're not done yet. So you can't quit now. So encourage yourself. Do not allow discouragement to have a place. Encourage yourself. Practice gratefulness. You already know Jesus has done such great work. You know you. And you weren't there at the beginning of this. So if you don't quit doing what he's asked you to do, that will all be completely removed. Amen. So during the week when discouragement hits, if it hits, you, re you make a choice. God said he's not giving us spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, which is, means we, can, we have self-discipline, we make choices. You make the choice to practice gratefulness, thanksgiving. You start talking about all the things that God has done for you. You start thanking God for each brick that has already been dismantled, and you thank him for the remainders that are there going away. You do not allow discouragement to stop you. That's a choice you can make. Dad Hagen said this, and it's wonderful. He, 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 he just used an example about birds. He said, you can't stop the birds from flying around above your head, but you can stop them from making a nest on the top of your head. He didn't say it like that, though. I think he said in your hair, maybe. You can stop that. The thoughts may come. The discouragement may come. You can't always stop that. But you can stop them, allow, them, them taking root in your heart or in your mind. That you can stop. You can say no, and you must say no. 
and you keep dismantling brick after brick. That thing has been, that wall has been there for generations. And God is asking you, <laughs> brick after brick, to trust him. Take it down. Take it down, okay? In your marriage, it's not the same. You're not at the same place. You guys have grown leaps and bounds, but you're not where you should be. Don't let discouragement stop you. You'll never get there if you stop. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.